Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals at Ryu Hotels and Resorts in Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central America, and enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on Easy Mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it. Because you did it. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giants. I love the Cuda. And the Giants mobile app. 17 14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes as we gear up for the finale of the 2023 regular season Giants-Eagles at MetLife Stadium on Sunday, a 425 p.m. Eastern kickoff. The program presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football Giants, and multiple ways to interact with us here on the program. Option one, you're brave, you pick up the phone. 201-939-4513. Option B, you stay behind the computer screen. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. You can also directly interact with us. I'm at Lance Meadow. One word, last name, M-E-D-O-W. He is at Giants W-F-A-N. And a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and Giants.com slash podcast. So, Paul, the last go-around for us here on a Friday where we go over the injury report and then we'll delve into the matchup, but let's start. Brian Dable spoke with reporters earlier today, and we know there were three key injuries of note, at least for the majority of this week. You had Jason Pinnock nursing the toe injury. You have He's Deontay out. Banks. Okay, well, I was going to build up the three oh, and then go over. I thought you were going to go stole each my guy. thunder. No, Sorry. that's fine. No, we'll, we'll, we'll follow your game plan. No problem. All right. So Jason <laughs> Pinnock, the setup is, you see, he he took away what was supposed to be such an excitement here at the beginning of the show. So I'm he is excited. Out. Yes, well, I can tell Come you're on. jumping through the roof here. It's another yeah. NFC East rivalry game. There you go. It is time. It yes. is time to beat the damn Eagles. Let's go. 13 of the last 15, Philadelphia has won, including I know. the playoffs. Well, I just wanted to remind you, so this way you can improve the level of excitement, because I don't remember, know if you've brought your A game here today. In yeah. 20 and 21, when they came to MetLife Stadium, they got beat. That's right, yeah. By the New York football Giants. With Jalen Hurts under center, correct. And that wasn't that long ago. No, not at all. One of those years, of course, was during the pandemic, so nobody got to see it. And then prior to that, it was when Carson Wentz was the quarterback in 2016. So, once again, it's been a lengthy period of time. But the Giants are not going to have all hands on deck because Jason Pinnock is out with the toe injury. Initially, it was labeled as a foot injury, but then it was Brian Dable who specified it earlier in the week. He said he's dealing with a toe issue. So, Pinnock did not practice this week. week. He's officially out. Then you have Deontay Banks and John Michael Schmitz. Banks is with the shoulder, and John Michael Schmitz was leg-whipped against the Rams. Yes. And neither one of them are practicing today. Right. Which is never usually, Paul, a good sign no, it's entering not. Friday. So we don't know how they're going to be labeled, but I would say it's probably fair to put two and two together. Either they're going to be ruled out or they're going to probably be on the wrong side of questionable based on them not taking part in Friday's practice. Yes. So that means in all likelihood Nick McLeod once again would move yep. into the uh, the starting lineup and take Banks' snaps. McLeod did give up a touchdown pass the other day, but to be frank with you, the way he played it, he couldn't have played it much better. It, you know, it was down near the goal line, and and he had man-to-man, and guy came out, ran the out route. I think it was Cup, wasn't it? He ran the out yep. route, and McLeod closed on him, and good pass, good route, touchdown. Sometimes the offense sure. draws up a good play against that defense, and there's nothing that your player can do about it. Uh, 
that's kind of how I interpreted it because I thought that McLeod actually played a good game. Throughout the course of the day, he really didn't have a lot of trouble. Um, so looks like he'll be the guy to start this week. As far as JMS, Ben Bredesen goes back to playing center again. We've seen that numerous times. I would assume that Mark Lewinsky then becomes the starting right guard. And so you move on from there. And you're still going up against a very respectable and deep Eagles defensive front, which once again is going to define the outcome of this game, whether it was two weeks ago or this week. Paul, we always talk about the elements, the offensive line and the defensive line play, and whether or not the Giants can duplicate what I thought they did an effective job with in Philadelphia, where they didn't allow those guys to disrupt the game. Did the Eagles get some hits on the quarterback? Absolutely. But it wasn't one of those scenarios Paul, where we've seen Eagles games and Philly gets five to seven sacks, maybe even 10, and every single down is second and 10 and second and 15 and third and 14. It wasn't like that. The Eagles defensive front did not wreck the game in Philly. So if the Giants can do that again, then could you see some explosive plays again? Keep in mind, Tyrod Taylor's hooked up with Darius Slayton each of the last two weeks. He's had a 69-yard touchdown and an 80-yarder. And Mm -hmm. that was something that was not happening very often at all in the early stages of the season. That is a reflection of Tyrod having time to survey the field. If they can give him that, you know, there are plays to be made against an Eagles defense that, okay, we were talking about this going into the first Giants game. Struggling against the run. Struggling to prevent explosive plays. Having the worst third-down defense. Paul, not much has changed in the last... Two weeks, okay? Arizona scored four second-half touchdowns against this Eagles defense, and they ran the ball very effectively. So the lesson to be taken here is the Giants, whether it's on paper or reality, they can move the ball against this Philadelphia defense, which has not shown that they could turn the corner, whether it be in recent history or past history. It's been a roller coaster ride for this defense. I will be looking very, very strongly at Saquon Barkley. 23 carries, 80 yards, and a touchdown in Philadelphia two weeks ago. He's had at least 80 yards rushing in a game six times this year. He needs 84 to get 1,000 for the fourth time in his sixth NFL season. I really would like to see him get it. It would mean mean something to him. It would mean something to this team. Uh, He even said it would be meaningful for himself when he spoke to the media. No question. Yeah. I mean, when you have the kind of pride that he has, yeah, that's a big deal. And let's not forget, he missed some time this year, too. But he could still get the 1,000-yard plateau, and, and, I, and I want him to do it. He's averaging four yards a carry for the season, exactly 4.0. So, in theory, 21 carries <laughs> should do it. Uh, whether or not it does, I don't know. I think he'll probably need to break off at least one big one to be able to do it for sure especially since we don't know what the weather's going to be. And that could impact it, yeah. I mean, guys could be slipping and sliding all over the place, including him. Sure. So, you know, we will see. But um, whether or not it's it's nasty or not nasty, uh, 80 is is not a, a, uh, a high or lofty number for him. I see no reason why he shouldn't be able to do that, especially when you consider the Cardinals ran for over 200 yards last yeah, week. 221 rushing yards for the Cardinals, yeah. So I'm I, with you. I, I think he's going to get it, and I want him to. Well, that's why when we talk about goals for the game, we always mention that nothing is a meaningless game for the coaches and the players because worst-case scenario, you're putting good film out there or you're striving to do that because you have no idea if your future is with this current organization. But the other aspect that you're hitting on is players have incentives in their contracts, Paul, and they have individual goals. I wasn't actually going there. Well, but but that's the validity of it. I mean, there are incentives in contracts. Let's not be naive. And I don't know whether or not there are specific ones within striking distance for each and every player. I mean, we're not looking over their contracts left and right, but that is the reality of the circumstance, but for Barkley, not necessarily an incentive, but an incentive in terms of a statistical category that he'd like to reach to show his consistency over the early stages of his career. And there's nothing wrong with that because, once again, I think it's doable. Just like Puka Nakua, for example, 
to relate this to the opponent, he was after the rookie record for receptions yeah. and receiving yards, and he's probably going to get it. I'd be stunned if he doesn't get it against San Francisco. He needs sure. four catches, 29 yards, because he had obviously a very good game against the Giants. So all of those things are always in play. I'll give you somebody who's looking to put something on tape who has no numbers in mind but simply quality play. Matthew Pert's going to be the right tackle again this weekend, okay? He's going up against Hassan Reddick, who two weeks ago had four quarterback hits. Didn't wreck the game, but did have four quarterback hits. Uh, this is an opportunity now for Pert to play a full four quarters against one of the best, most fierce outside edge rushers in the National Football League today. He could go a long way into helping himself by putting a really good game on tape. If he can neutralize Reddick, and that's a lot to ask because we're talking about a top-level player, but if he can really contain and potentially neutralize Reddick, that's a big feather in Matthew Pert's cap as he goes into the offseason. Without a doubt, for both the Giants to evaluate him and if he doesn't have a future here with the team for the rest of the league to take a look at him. I think you, though, hit on perhaps the concern, at least for me, in this matchup. And it's the fact that if John Michael Schmitz doesn't play and you move Bredis into center and now you reinsert Mark Lewinsky and now Matt Parrott is getting in because, remember, Tyree Phillips went down. He started the last game. Correct. It's not just the changes, Paul. What concerns me is you have guys playing next to one another that haven't been next to one another in several weeks. And you know it's all about chemistry and continuity on the offensive line. And this is... Whether the Eagles are performing in the manner that they have in recent history is irrelevant. This team is still capable, based on the track record of the individual pieces, in winning up front. Mm -hmm. And remember, despite the fact that their pace is off, and I was talking about this with Dave Spadaro of Eagles.com, the Eagles insider, because they had 70 sacks last season, Paul. So when you have 70, you're comparing <laughs> that to a ridiculous yeah, mark, right? That's a ridiculous number. And I don't want to misquote you, but if I'm correct, you always say 42 is the number you strive for. Is that accurate? Four, minimum of 42 okay. to me is a respectable number. Well, they have 41. So based on, you assume, they're probably going to get a sack or two. I don't think that's a stretch. They're going to reach what your goal is every season. So that's a solid campaign, right? If your team yeah. gets 42 sacks. So I was bringing that up to Dave this week. I said, under normal circumstances, 41 sacks in that 50 territory Nothing is a very good that. year. But the problem is when you have 70 the previous year, it's a down year. Here's another indicator. The Eagles, they have 17 takeaways. All right, 17 takeaways. I'm not saying that I put you at the top of the league, but not terrible. Well, they had 27 last season. Mm -hmm. So you're minus 10. So that's why the Eagles are not performing at the same rate. It's not that they lost all their talent. It's the fact that there well, was such a drastic drop-off in the production in two key categories in sacks as well as takeaways. It is quite clear, and we did this in the scouting report going into Philadelphia, the back seven on Philadelphia defensively is getting old. It has been banged up. Yeah. It has significantly slowed down. Okay, Cunningham had been nicked up, uh, the linebacker. Correct, and he may come back this weekend. He may. Yeah. Uh, Slay is not. Slay doesn't look like he's going to play. And Bradbury just looks really, really old these days. Uh, and their safety play hasn't been quite quite very good either. Uh, it's It's been a case of the, the back seven of Philly's defense. To me, that's been the big bruise that makes the 2023 Eagles lesser than the 2022 Philadelphia team. Well, and a lot of veterans who were a year younger at this point last season, not as many injuries, were a bit more opportunistic. Also, Darius Slay you took out of the lineup. So, you know, once again, you're now relying on some younger options. And to me, the most valuable component of the Eagles secondary, I think, is Avante Maddox because he plays the slot. And he also missed a boatload of time. He's now back, but he was hurt in week two and missed a handful of games, more so mm -hmm. than that. That's not even putting it in justice terms. And it's very hard to defend in the slot. I mean, we talk about that with the Giants and a Cordell Flod and a Darnay Holmes and all of these guys. A lot of traffic, a lot that you have to wrap your head around. So the loss of him, I think, has really hit this secondary hard. But it seems as if, based on the reports from Philadelphia and Nick Sirianni speaking earlier today, that Slay the goal is they want to preserve him for their wild card round playoff game. Yeah. Assuming, of course, that they don't win the division. So I doubt we're going to see him. The other guy that I doubt we're going to see is Devontae Smith. 
wide receiver who got banged up. Right. Was limping off the field, was in a boot. I know there were reports that he wasn't seen in the boot at practice, but he hasn't been practicing. I would be very surprised if they play him. So they'll probably be down one of their top wide receivers and down one of their top corners. Outside of that, though, Paul, and I know there's been a lot of chatter this week, the fact that these games kick off simultaneous, I don't see them going into the game and Nick Sirianni saying, I'm going to you know, rest a lot of my starters. I think they're going to go in, they'll see how that Washington game plays out. And Paul, at halftime, if somebody from the front office tells Nick, hey, the Cowboys are up by 20, could he start bringing down the snap count for some of these guys? Sure, I could see that. But at least their approach in the early stages of this game, I think it's going to be treated as a typical game. I don't see their approach being any different other than the injured players. I don't think they're going to risk further aggravation of injuries. Right. I would agree with you. And and I think that, you know, this is one of the good rules that the NFL put into play a few years ago yeah. where they were able to simultaneously schedule kickoffs of games that would have implications against each other. And, uh, you know, for all the things that I'm still not, thrilled with about the NFL uh, one was that uh, that that's good the other thing that was really good is that they scheduled rivalry games in the last weekend of the regular season yep. I'm big on that too the divisional games not just rivalry games but divisional games often that's the same but no it's divisional games they decided the, the commissioner felt that that was a good move and I agree with them totally those are the two things that I love about what the NFL has done in recent years and so uh, that will come into play this weekend as the 425 kickoff is going to be for the Dallas-Washington game as well as the Giants-Philadelphia Eagles game. Uh, a couple of items I do want to throw out because I've gotten questions on Twitter about some statistical things besides uh, Barkley's 1,000 yards to look for. Uh, Sterling Shepard has 369 career catches. He's two behind Jeremy Shockey for fifth place on the all-time reception list in Giants history. Shepard himself said this week, you know, he's mulling retirement. He's going to talk to his family after the season. I think most of us believe that he will. So he did mention that it would mean a lot to him if he could crack the top five. So he needs two catches to tie Shockey for fifth place on the all-time Giants list. So watch for that. See if he can get those two catches. Uh, obviously, the 1,000 yards for, for Barkley is a big deal. Uh, look at Xavier McKinney and Bobby Okereke both of whom have played 100% of the snaps this year on the defensive side of the ball. And I believe that leaves them as the only two players in the NFL this season who have done so. A couple of weeks ago, there were four guys left. Then it was down to three. And I believe one of the commanders missed a snap last week, the guy who had had 100% of his snaps. I can't remember who it was I mean, now. I'll look that up just to confirm. But I believe there was a Washington player who had been part of that club and he missed the snap last week, making McKinney and Okereke the only guys who were at 100% of the snap count. And today, that Ironman stat is actually meaningful because a lot of guys with the injury bug that hits today's NFL. It's unheard of. It's, yeah. it's just, that doesn't happen. So, so that's kind of a cool thing. So watch out for those two things, if you will. Uh, other than that, I, I don't know that there are any other significant statistical hurdles or, or milestones that, that you might want to look for. Um, let me just Yeah, because nobody's in the vicinity of a thousand yards receiving. No, no. If you're looking oh, at that. No, 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 I'm just well, I'm looking over other numbers that may be relevant. I would say, you know, Darius Slayton once again looking for a third straight game with a touchdown, which is at least an in season trend there. Yeah, but I, I don't other than that. I don't see anything else that's uh well, I guess Okereke's got hundred and forty two combined tackles Maybe, you know, he's eight away from 150. That's a pretty lofty number. Okay, maybe you, maybe you want to be looking for something like that. But I, I, I think McFadden any, is eight away from 100 tackles. Yeah. For him, that, I mean, I would say and, that's pretty And notable. for him, that's probably yeah. a very big deal. So, you know, um, but that's really it. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily see any other numbers that, that uh, provide any extra icing on the cake, if you will, for some of these guys. I'm sure there are some players, though, who are close to some particular contractual incentive that we don't know about. Well, that's and, why I alluded to and that. And they yeah. will, they will, I'm sure, be 
looking carefully at those numbers. But uh, Brian Dable was asked about it this morning by one of the writers who clearly was thinking about financial issues. And Dable said, well, yeah, you know, we, we know about some of those things, but uh, we're going to ask those players to do whatever it takes to try to win the game. I mean, he's trying to win the game. He's not so much concerned about getting players specific numbers. He said, look, if throwing a guy a certain amount of passes is going to help us win, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> Was it Cameron Curl of the Commanders, the safety? Might have been. Was that who you were referring to? How many to? snaps does he well, have? Well, he's played all 16 games. That's why I'm it looking might be him, him up. I'd might have be to, him. Let me look up his snap count, but I think that may be the guy. Because everybody else up there in terms of tackles was not in the vicinity. So it's possible that Curl is somebody that was at least knocking on the door of what McKinney and Okereke were doing. I'm bringing up the snap counts now for the Commanders this season. Let's see. Cameron Curl this year has Pro played. Pro Football Reference says he's at 100%. I have him at 99.45. So he must be the guy. Okay. So yeah, I he guess- must have missed. Yeah, pro, snap. pro Football yeah. Reference on his page has him at 1,089 snaps. Yeah, I have him. This is the team snap. I yep. have him now at 1,089 snaps, which accounts for 99.45%. Okay. Well, you know what? This does not include extra digits, so they probably rounded it up. That's probably why. I have the full breakdown here. Beautiful. Yeah. So there you go. So. so there's the answer. So indeed, it is McKinney and Okirike. I know the Washington uh, Commanders had the third yeah. guy. So well, we found who it was. And for any player to be in this vicinity is remarkable. In so this those, day and age, those are your highlights. Those, those are your number highlights for your numerologists. Is that what they call yeah, it? Well, I didn't think we were going to go there, but I'm sure that that applies to individuals that are mm-hmm. obsessed with numbers and want to be mathematicians. Mathematician could have been acceptable. He could have went there. Okay. Decided Stat- to. Statistician. statistician could have been another one. All acceptable. I give my seal of approval. One thing that I wanted to throw out, just to piggyback off of your point about the emphasis of divisional play late in the season, here's an example of how the league hit a home run in that department. Four yeah. division titles are still up for grabs entering the final week of the regular season. There was a number that was put out the other day, and I almost hesitate to say it, so I will just clarify by saying this was on television, and I... I did not confirm it. So let me say it's an unofficial number. Is it that there are 20 teams still battling for a playoff spot? I'm not including the team. Well, that includes so, the numbers who have already clinched. So you're talking about everybody that's mathematically alive? Everybody Is that that's what you're mathematically to? alive for the playoffs, including those who have clinched. The number was, in other words, only 12 teams supposedly have been eliminated from well, let's see. Competition. I'll give you the answer here. There, Is that true? There are nine teams in the AFC that are alive. That includes teams that are already okay. clinched. Okay. Okay. And then in the NFC, the total is 11. So there's your 20. So that number is confirmed. Yeah. Okay. So from that perspective, yes, there will be interest. Everybody knows how I feel about the middle of the road, big chunk of play in the NFL. I'm not going to go there today, but... This is the byproduct of what you get with that. We've had this conversation before. I'm not going to go any further than that. But I do appreciate the fact that there are a lot of fans in a lot of cities who at least have some hope right now. Well, I mean, I think what you're referring to more, though, Paul, is the wild card races where you have that battle around the line. I believe of- there are six teams in the NFC still alive for two wild card spots. And it is possible that an 8-9 and team in the NFC will make the playoffs. That, that, to me, says a lot about I'm not a fan of that either. I don't think, listen, if you don't have a record of at least 500, I don't think that's worthy of getting into the playoffs. The exception is if you're a division winner, because that's how the division played out. I have no problem, but a wild card team, this is why I wasn't a huge fan of getting to seven teams, and I understand the rationale behind it. I'm not arguing that, but I think less is more in sports because it adds even more meaning to the regular season. But hey, every sport, Paul's been guilty of that, right? Baseball's expanded. Basketball, they have the playing <laughs> tournament now. It's all over the place. Lance, Lance. Yeah. Postseason revenues. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying uh, I'm not naive. I understand why. But that doesn't mean from a product standpoint. There are two different uh, things. From a money standpoint. Don't have to explain it to me. from a product standpoint Do is what I'm getting Do not have to explain yeah. that to me at all. But what I was getting at was I think your point is more laid out with wild card situations. Because if you look at the division races that are still up for grabs, 
Dallas and Philadelphia are two 11-win teams. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's not the battle of mediocrity there. No, no. Then in the AFC East, the Dolphins have 11 wins. The Bills have 10. So, no yeah. argument there. No, there are plenty of teams who clearly yeah. deserve to be in. In the NFC South, you could argue, okay, that's another down year. You got two 8-8 eight and eight teams and a 7-9 and nine team in Atlanta. And then even in the AFC South, you got three 9-7 and seven teams. So, I mean, I'll take that. Three of the four division races are all legitimate contenders this season, I guess is what I'm getting at. The only exception is, of course, the NFC South. But I would say those teams, as the record show, which is not that impressive, all of those teams, especially Tampa Bay and New Orleans, you could argue, are now playing their best football. So the teams have rallied and recovered, I think, in the later stages of the season. And part of that is health and a number of other different factors that come into play. All right, a few reminders before... We open up the phone lines here. Giants Huddle Podcast. You can check that out. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You go to Giants.com slash podcast. One game left. One more announcement regarding single tickets. Visit Giants.com slash tickets to secure your seat. And the Giants official connected TV streaming app. Giants TV. It brings you original video content, game highlights on demand, and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV. It's free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and the Giants mobile app. All right. Let's open up the phone lines. We check in with Dan in the Poconos right here on Friday's edition of BBKL. What's happening, Dan? What do you got for us? How you doing, Lance? How you doing, Paul? Doing right. What's on your mind? Well, well, let me just first say real quick, Paul, I love that interview you had with Corey Webster. Man, I was cracking up through the half that thing. It was it was great. We had a good time. C. Webby's a good dude. Thank you. Oh, and I love your enthusiasm about all the history and the Giants. It's just so awesome. I, I feed off of that stuff. It's Appreciate great. it. Yeah, you got it. You guys are great. Um, so, just bear with me a second. I I, try, I called you up on Tuesday. I really didn't get my point across. Really, it, this kind of tough for me. Um, uh, well, now, it wasn't just, Tuesday because I, I was on Tuesday's show, so you definitely didn't call Tuesday. I remember like an elephant. You didn't call in on Tuesday's show, Dan. That's a lie. You're fibbing to us, Dan. You are fibbing to us. And and if you got on, if you got on another day, that's bad news on Pearson because he's supposed to monitor not having this amount of calls in a short period of time. So be careful, Dan, how you classify what day you called on, okay? Just warning you. Thanks for the heads up. All right. Going forward, there we go. What okay. do you got, Dan? What yes. do you got? Yeah, what do you got? Okay. Um, what, like I said, just bear with me for a minute. I'm going to eventually get to my point, and I won't talk forever. I'm talking about my, my look as a diehard, right, as a Giant fan. I want to be competitive, right? Like, I, like a caller called up. When that kick was going down against the Rams, right, when uh, Crosby was out there, I was, I was so struggling with myself. I'm like, do I want him to make it? Like, I know him, like, I can't root against him. But I'm like, but if he misses it, maybe I'm okay because we played good, right? So, so then now I'm putting myself – I know it's a little different now because if it's against the Eagles because, of course, you want to beat the, the hated Eagles. But I'm saying to myself – Let's just say it's the same situation, right? And I don't know how I'm going to feel at that point because I'm being competitive, okay? Just want to put that out there. Now, as far as, as far as going with the same point, winning or losing that last game, you know, like I, I called, when I called up, I don't know what day it was. Probably it was last month or something. No. Okay, now um, we're in better territory. Okay, go ahead. Yes. <laughs> when I called up, I, I just mentioned that like, like we know the players are going to play their hearts out for obvious reasons, right? They want to put the resume out there. And then on a one, I just listened this morning, a, uh, a presser with the coach, and they said to him, you know, like, okay, who's, you gonna, who's playing quarterback? And he says it's going to be Tyrod because he gives us the best chance to win. And, and I'm kind of thinking, I kind of, I kind of agree with him, but I'm also saying to myself, but this is the perfect opportunity. You know, again, I, again, I, I just want to see DeVito out there again. But, but like I said the last time, maybe they already know about him and they've made a decision on what they know about Tommy. Uh, but, but with other players, too, that don't ask me who because I don't know who, uh, like maybe McLeod and other guys that are going to get a chance to play, I just feel like, like Dable wants to win, but for, like, for personal reasons. You know, like the ref, the, the players too want to win for their own personal reasons. But the fans, like, we don't care. We want to, we want to be competitive, but we're thinking about next year. We want that better pick. 
Sure, you know but I mean, but players say, and coaches don't think like fans. I mean, that you just laid out the biggest difference, Dan. You did. I mean, I think you answered your own question. You if did. That's where you were getting at. You did. Yeah. I mean, you did. They don't adopt yeah. that philosophy, and they never will, because you're going to be aligned with the Giants next season. Okay, your loyalty right. is already laid out. Players and coaches don't have the same guarantee that you have. That's why they can't think exactly. like you. That's the biggest difference. Dan, I'll give you one other hypothetical, and I presented this to Lance earlier in the lunchroom today, and I said, you know, for some of these fans who don't understand why these coaches and players want to win, think about this. You get a paycheck at your job just like these guys get a paycheck at their job. Well, guess what? They're paid to put 17 games of work and effort on the field. Do you go to your job and say, let's say one month, 12, 11 months out of the year, you're going to give your everything to your job, and then one month you're not going to try? Do you do that? I mean, I, I'm, right, I, I, I don't think so. So why, right. should, why should any of the, those guys, players, coaches, trainers, why should anybody in this organization decide that, oh, okay, 17th game, doesn't mean anything in the standings. We could deal with a better draft pick. So we're not going to put forth the effort and earn our pay for the 17th week of the season, which, by the way, we signed our names to a contract to earn. Why? I mean, right, right. what does that say about a person who does that? Right, right. I should have had this debate with myself earlier and would have saved us all the time. There you go. It's well, okay. You know, we're, we're the therapist and the psychiatrist on this program too, Dan. And we'll, we'll let you go on that Love note. You guys. Yep, you got it. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks for giving us a ring. I was going to say, you know, to piggyback off of your point, if Dan has time to call into this show, I don't know if that was a good example. Maybe we can question the work ethic <laughs> in terms of where his priorities are. But no, By the way, final, final real quick thought on that. Several years ago, there was the Chase Young Bowl when the Giants played Washington, and everybody had figured out that the loser of that game would have the chance to draft the higher Chase pick. Young, right? And when the Giants won that game, there was a slew of media and fans that were screaming, oh, my God, they blew the Chase Young Bowl. They're going to blow the pick. Washington's going to get Chase Young. This is the worst thing that could happen to the franchise. Well, what happened? The Giants picked a couple slots later, and they got Andrew Thomas. Hmm. Wow. Are you were you were you really that scorched? You got Andrew Thomas instead. Boo hoo hoo. You 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 wound up with a bad deal, huh? I don't think so. Okay, I don't think so. That's why. Okay, you don't spend time crying about where your draft pick is going to land after the final game of the season. It will land where it lands. Have faith in your general manager and your scouting staff that they will make the best pick possible in their slot. If the Giants pick as low as eighth, which they can following this season, have faith that in the eighth slot of this draft, they'll be able to get a blue-chip prospect who might very well go to the Pro Bowl who probably should go to the Pro Bowl, okay? It's not like if they don't get the fifth pick or the sixth pick, it's not like they drop down to 29. Eight is as, as low as it goes. I believe that this organization can get a star player at eight. So there's nothing to cry about. There is no remorse, Okay. Root for your team to go win on Sunday. Beat the dreaded Philadelphia Eagles and enjoy the game. That's what you need to do as a fan. It's not where you pick, it's who you pick. I think that's been well Bingo. documented over the course of NFL history. Plus, I mean, we were talking about a Rams team last week, Paul, and you heard me bring up the two guys' names in the third round. Kobe Turner, Byron Young. Third round picks, and look at how well both of those guys are playing. And they were not in the first round, they were not in the second round. So, it falls on the scouting department, the front office, to... Scout accordingly, find the players, whether you're picking fifth, whether you're picking eighth, whether you're picking seventh. I know there's a lot of chatter and focus on wanting to be within striking distance of a quarterback, but the bottom line is, unless you're picking number one overall, you're never going to be guaranteed to get your automatic choice That's right. when it comes to the quarterback anyway. And, do I and need, the Giants are not in that position. Do I need to remind any of you how much the Jets paid in capital to move up to number three to draft Sam Darnold. I thought you were going to say Zach Wilson, but yeah. They traded a lot to go get Sam Darnold.
right? Sure. How'd that work out? Well, because there's no guarantees in football. And quarterbacks are defined based on the environment, not based on how they perform on an island, based on their college football hype. So, you know, there's a lot of factors. You don't have to go that far into the archives. I mean, you gave two recent examples. And that 2018 class, and Baker Mayfield's having a heck of a season in Tampa, and I'm glad to see that because it had been a revolving door for him. But there's a reason why Josh Allen is the only quarterback who was taken in the top 10. I know Lamar Jackson was at the bottom of the round right. and Lamar deserves a lot of credit, but I'm focusing to the guys that were high because where Lamar was taken, there's not as much risk, I would argue, as the guys Correct. up top and you're not moving. Correct. So that's why I don't include Lamar in that class because he was very low in the first round. But the top 10 guys, the Josh Rosens, the Sam Darnolds, the Baker Mayfields, the Josh Allens, Josh Allen is the only player left standing on his original team. That's it. And everyone went into that draft poll saying, we found our franchise guy. Did not, not? Ev not everybody. What do you mean? I was a Josh Allen guy. Well, no, I'm not talking about your opinion. I'm talking about the teams went oh, in. Yes, they and did. And they said, we feel good about finding our franchise guy. Did they yeah, not? Yeah, absolutely and they did. then two, three years later, they're back to square one looking for a quarterback. So it's just another example. Nothing is guaranteed, even at that position. No matter how much you do, your due diligence. Let's head back to the phone lines. Jeff is in Maine joining us here. On BBKL. What's happening, Jeff? What do you got for us? Hey, afternoon, gentlemen. Thanks Same for taking my call. You got Hi. it. What's so on your Paul, mind? You stole my <laughs> Paul, you stole my thunder. I was going to say that exact thing about uh, Chase Young. You know, uh, he, he's no longer with the team anymore after Washington tanked. That's right. And uh, Washington hasn't been right since, you nope. know? Well, they also um, got but... rid of Montez Sweat, too, which didn't help their pass rush as well. <laughs> and something tells me the Niners are liking the presence of Chase Young, which just goes to show you environment helps shape, help shapes a player, too. Well, sure, exactly. And so I, I can't wait for the game Sunday. I really want the Giants to beat the Eagles, put the nail in, in their coffin there. And, uh, and that kind of ties into my other point about Tyrod Taylor. I actually like all three of the Giants quarterbacks. I think that the problems with the offense this year weren't about the quarterbacks. It was about the offensive line. And the big question is, do we re-sign Tyrod? And uh, if we let him get away, I think we should resign him. Because if, if, if we let him get away and we end up signing some, you know, hack like Mitchell Trubinsky, he's going to cost more money and probably wouldn't be as good. So this will be a good chance for Tyrod Taylor to put a feather in his cap. If he can beat the Eagles in a, in a game that matters to them uh, with a depleted offensive line, I think that'll be a good test for him. And uh, so that's just why I'm looking forward to the game. And, uh, you know, the football gods uh, don't always shine on tankers. So that, that's my point, and I'll, uh, I'll take any comments off the air. All right, Jeff. Appreciate the phone call. Thank you. I, I don't think, Paul, to the caller's point, I don't think the Giants are at a point where they need to see something specific out of Taylor in this game to determine whether or not they want to move forward with him. I yeah. think the sample size is what it is at this point, where could he help his cause from an individual standpoint? Sure, you want him to perform well, but I don't think the Giants are going to say whether he performs good or not we are going to move on from him or not. I think you know where you stand with Tyrod Taylor right now. There's nothing about Sunday's tape that will impact yep. their feelings toward him. He's a pro's pro, and that's the end of that. And remember, it takes two to tango. So when you say, you know, the Giants should bring him back, I don't know what Tyrod's thinking about. I don't, I don't know, know if Tyrod also wants to continue to play too. That's another thing, right? I mean, he's no youngster. Is this the end of the line? Does he have the desire? I don't know. We haven't heard in terms no. of... His initial thought, I think very highly of him. Do the Giants want to get younger at the position? That's something else that they need to take into consideration. And as far as the money, look, Jared Stidham, who the Broncos brought in, who now is starting for Russell Wilson, they signed him to a two-year $10 million deal. They gave him $5 million per year. And Jared Stidham, nowhere near the level of starting experience as Tyrod no, Taylor. Not so at all. I would say if you want a backup quarterback in today's NFL, whether they have overwhelming experience or not, you're going to have to pay. That's just the economics of football. So that's why there's value in sometimes bringing in a rookie because he's not going to cost as much. But I've said this to you multiple times. We've had conversations. No matter how good you feel about Daniel Jones and no matter what he shows rehab, he has only played one full season. You have to protect yourself, Paul. Which Joe no Shane matter has the said. Circumstances. Okay, the yeah. general manager admitted to that when he had his last press conference some weeks back. Uh, I think the best case scenario for any team is to have a starter, have a veteran backup who they believe can win two, three, four games if he's got to play over the course of a month, 
and then have a practice squad quarterback who's a developmental guy. If I were a GM, that's how I would construct it. Now, of course, the negative to that or the risk to that is your developmental guy, who is number three, uh, is poachable yeah. because he's on the practice squad. Sure. I mean, so, look, Matt Barkley was taken off the practice squad. So if he was, you can only imagine what will happen to a right. young guy. So, yeah. so there, there is a risk involved in that scenario. But look, the way things are with the roster and the practice squads, I can't see keeping a third active quarterback on my 53. I, I can't give up that spot. It's too valuable. So I would want my third quarterback to, to clear waivers and be a practice squad guy, which means he really, truly has to be a developmental guy because if he's better than that, he'll get claimed. He'll get, he'll get poached. Sure, You're not going to be able to put him on your practice squad. Well, you actually, you bring up an interesting point, Paul, and I know we're getting a little bit of ahead of ourselves, but it's related. I mean, in the event that the Giants bring in another veteran quarterback, let's say, whether it's Tyrod Taylor or somebody else, or draft a quarterback, right. okay? If Tommy DeVito's the only quarterback right now under contract who's healthy, okay, then that means that Tommy's status on the 53, and I know we're getting really ahead of ourselves here, you'd have to bring that into question, right? Because if you bring in a veteran, you pay him X amount of dollars, or you draft a guy high in the first round, Paul, they're on the 53. There's no question. Correct. So therefore, you're not, to your point, going to keep a third quarterback, which means you're going to waive the third guy who would be Tommy DeVito, and you're going to hope he passes through waivers. So that's the other thing that or he gets the Giants poached. have to consider. Correct. Yeah. Meaning he makes it back to your practice squad, but he doesn't last because somebody eventually claims him. There's a real chance yeah. he won't last because now he's put some decent stuff on tape. There's also a very decent chance that if you wind up trying to sneak him through waivers come training camp next summer, that somebody winds up claiming him. Sure, because you don't know how the health of their quarterback situation is going to play out. It's Guy risky. gets hurt late in training camp, you never know. It's really risky, which is why, you know, I thought that this emergency quarterback rule that they added by saying you could have an emergency third quarterback was kind of bogus because they said, well, the emergency third quarterback can only come from your active 53. Yep. He can't come from your practice squad. Well, what good is that? Because you're telling every team that – you still got to have three guys playing quarterback on your 53. You're not saving me a roster spot by allowing me to designate an emergency quarterback. No, I'm with you. I think, to me, the best way to tweak that rule is the third emergency quarterback should be able to come from a guy who you elevate from the practice squad just for that game. You know, you have two standard elevations. Yes. One of the standard elevations should be a quarterback. And if you want that quarterback to be the third emergency guy, let him be the third emergency guy. I would concur. I don't think there's any problem with that. I'm with you there. And maybe the rule will evolve based on the feedback they get from the league this year. Let's put it this way. And it's interesting because it just goes to show you we saw the Niners-Eagles playoff game. And, you know, the overreaction was overwhelming. But it goes to show you how rare Paul, a circumstance like that is, right? They made sure. the rule, which was great, but let's not sound and make it seem as if that happens every single week in the NFL. That happens maybe, you know, once every two or three years if we're talking about a scenario that a team has to get to a third quarterback within the flow of a game. So more of a reason why the competition committee waits till the offseason to digest <laughs> all of these things. Okay, let's head back to the phone lines. Mike is in Virginia. Joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Mike? What do you got for us? Hey, gentlemen. How you doing? Doing all right. Um, uh, I would like to touch on a couple of things. You know, uh, last year, that was a good year for us. We surprised some pieces. And I honestly felt that um, when, the, when the schedule came out, we were looking at possibly maybe 10, wins this, 10 to 11 wins this year. Yep. Because we did, we did do upgrades. We upgraded at the linebacker position. We got a top center in the draft. We upgraded with uh, Hyatt. I felt he was going to add something. We upgraded at tight end. Cornerback. Uh, yep. Cornerback, right. And and just to see how this played out, I mean, injuries, we understand it. But I, I really feel like there was a lot of inconsistencies on every single aspect of this game. The kicking game with injuries. Um, the line. and uh, Play calling. Um like, you know, uh, like mental errors, like right? it, it's third and one and you're running a drag route underneath the yard markers, you know, it's just consistent injuries. Now, I'm a coach. I've been a coach since 2012, right? And one thing I've always told my team is sloppy football loses games. 
And it doesn't matter what level you're at. And we just consistently have played sloppy football. But when we play good football, we're always in it. And all I really want for this last game is for us to really just play good football, good sound football on every aspect, good play calls, hit the holes, line, man up, uh, let's, let's run block and get these, these lanes open for Saquon. Um, make your read, catch the ball. You know, just I'm, I'm tired of the sloppy and inconsistent football from this team and from the staff. And it, it's just, you know, hey, we got to look to next year. Hopefully we can make some more upgrades. But it, it's, it's just been, you know, disheartening to watch these teams play the way they have this year. What's your take? All right, Mike, well, we'll let you go on that note. I mean, clearly, I think you pointed to reasons why the Giants are in their current position. So I don't know if we have to rehash all of that. I think, though, what the caller is pinpointing, Paul, and this is the larger takeaway when he was saying what his expectations were and what he thought, it's a reminder of what I've emphasized on this show time and time again. And I think you're even a big believer in it, too. Don't look at one season on an island and think that it's just going to carry over because you add a few guys in free agency or the draft. Just football doesn't work like that, Paul. And I think the Eagles are even a better example of that because the Eagles came from the opposite side of where the Giants were. You know, Philly has been the standard of consistency, but they lost Javon Hargrave. We talked about the injuries earlier in the show. You turn the ball over at a higher rate. You don't get as many sacks. And while they are still an 11-win team, okay, they're still talented, but the dominance that they won last year is nowhere to be seen. And many people thought, okay, well, you know, you bring back the same roster, business as usual, everything's going to go according to plan. It doesn't work like that in the NFL. And we talked about this in the offseason that the Giants could have an improved roster but not have as good of a record, Paul, right? We brought that up a lot. We we brought up, at least I certainly did, that it was a greatly improved roster. I thought in a number of areas, the Giants had patched all of their significant holes. And what we knew was that it was going to take maximum effort from this improved roster in order to get more than nine wins. They had had nine last year. Uh, The schedule, okay, we knew was going to be logistically challenging this season because they had more of the uh, the travel clustered together. And the competition, too. Competition was tighter at the top. We knew that, in addition to that, more primetime games than they had the previous season. So there would be some definite challenges to the schedule. But we also knew that they had upgraded several positions. And if you look at it isolated, unit by unit, you would still believe that if you went through the, the roster today and say, well, you know, was this unit better than it was last year? In almost every case, you could say yes, except for the trenches. The offensive line performed better last year, and I think it's fair to say that the defensive line performed better last year. And where does football get won and lost? In the trenches. Those two positions, you know, for whatever the reasons may be, did not hold up their ends of the bargain in addition to all of the other factors, injuries, scheduling, logistics, uh, you know, bad timing, in addition to all the other stuff. The bottom line is the trenches did not hold up on either side of the ball. And, I mean, I'm, again, I'm very difficult when it comes to drop passes. I grade them harshly. I was taught years ago by a coaching by this coaching staff many years, not these guys, but a Giants coaching staff many years ago about grading drop passes. So I'm tough. I'm very tough. I have the Giants for 35 drop passes this year. That's not a good number. What'd you have them for last season? Do you have? I have. Well, sure, I do. I have all this stuff. Just as a means of comparison, I think, because if we're talking about the drop off from one season to another, I'd like to see the number. This is so cool. Have. When I finally got to computerizing this stuff. Because I used to have it all. and Well, see, welcome right? to the present world. Last yes. year, let me see what I got for my drops last year. 2022. So 35 is the barometer we're looking at. I had 40 last year. All right, so you had five more. So it's possible they actually match when it's all okay. said and done. You know, One game to go, they still have five to toy with. Okay, and, so that's and, not really that big of a difference, I but, would say. But, but that's not a good number. No, I'm not capitalizing and saying that you, know, you should be promoting that number. But what I'm saying is that's not a huge differential. When it's all said, no, and it's not compared but, to the trenches that you're and, arguing. And we thought that saying. the wide receiver room was significantly better. I don't think the wide receiver room 
was significantly better this year. I think, you know, to be honest, we should probably throw that that unit in the hopper too and say that's a third unit that didn't play as well as it could have. Well, part of it was guys not delivering and others were hurt. So you had a variety of factors Again, that contributed there were other to that. Reasons, but-, but I will say this, though. The passing numbers the last two seasons have been in the same ballpark, and that has to change if this Giants offense wants to take another step up. Because I guarantee you, I mean, I don't have the bold predictions in front of me, but for the last two seasons, Paul, how many callers have we had? Daniel Jones's numbers are going to get into the 30 passing touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Remember all those conversations? And you take all three quarterbacks, we're in the teens still. Yeah. In terms of total passing touchdowns this season, I think I had him for like possibly twenty four. I think that was the. I think I was pretty reasonable with my pick on that, but uh, obviously he got hurt, and you know that was the end of that. Well, but I'm not even talking about Daniel. I'm talking about everybody oh, together, I know. Paul. It's okay. It's not good. And you also have to take into consideration. I'm bringing up the numbers here: fourteen passing touchdowns, eleven interceptions, eighty three sacks. This season. That's where we are total-wise. Oh, my goodness. Last season. Sure. Last season, 17 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, 49 sacks. So the passing touchdowns are down with one game to go. The interceptions are up, and the sacks have skyrocketed. You also had multiple quarterbacks play this season. Okay? So a lot of factors that need to be taken into consideration, but also the scoring offense went down. Paul. Yep. And I don't think many people thought when you're in the teens last season that it's going to get lower. And I say this all the time. You're not going to get a touchdown difference. That is insane expectations. But could you go up two points? Could you go up three? Could you go from 17 and a half to 2021? And that didn't even happen. We're now under 15. So, you know, You want to talk about the trenches. You want to talk about the defensive line. I'm with you, Paul. I'm not disputing anything. But next season, you can't be in the 14 to 17 touchdown total. You can't have interception to touchdown ratio, which is about even. And you can't give up 83 sacks. I mean, those numbers have to drastically change before we even put any other element, I would argue, under the microscope. You know how often you talk about getting caught behind the chains? You're very big on third and longs, Without a doubt, right? yeah. Well, how about this? Again, I keep my own stats, folks. So uh, according to my chart, 83 sacks allowed this year, 28 of them came on third down. That's it. That's it. Which just goes to show you the hole they put themselves in on earlier. Bingo. Down. Yeah. 55 of the 83 sacks came on first or second down, which meant third and long was happening far too frequently. No, that's a good nugget to provide even better context of the number because, I mean, if you get into, and we've been talking about this the last several weeks, I think it was the Rams game. I brought this up on the Giants hangout. 11 of their 13 possessions, Paul, the Giants had at least one negative play. I mean, it just can't happen. You cannot survive based on that rate. And the reason why you can't survive is because the volume of explosive plays that the Giants produce is not anywhere near where the rest of the league is. You know, you can keep your head above water if you have all these explosive plays. But when you have low explosive plays, high negative rate plays, you're not going to be able to cancel them out. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. Coach Marvin is in Delaware joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Coach Marvin? Happy New Year's, guys. Same to you. You too, Coach. Yeah, I was just listening. Um, you guys had some great points today. Um, I listened to the callers about, um, you know, it sounds like they want them to try to lose a game. I don't know what that looks like in a football game. When you're playing, losing on purpose, what that looks like, how you actually coach it, how you actually play football to lose. So, you know, throwing games or however you want to call it, uh I, I don't think it's possible, really. Well, Coach, I, I just want to jump in. I'll let you continue. I'm wholeheartedly with you, and I'm a big proponent of fighting against those philosophies. I would say the only way in football that you can lessen your chances of winning is if you go out of your way to not play certain talent. 
That's the only way in the NFL. But no, guys are not coached up to make mistakes and mishaps and careless things. Like like the Eagles did in their season finale a few years ago. Well, that's why I'm saying. When when they lost the game and it prevented the Giants from making the playoffs. Yeah, I remember that, Lance. That's right. Bet certain guys in crunch time so you can lose the game. of other examples you could bring up as well. But that doesn't guarantee they're going to lose. No, one hundred percent. No, it doesn't because the it guys that are replacing it. them it are still going to go out and play hard. To lose. Correct. Yes, I Correct. understand that. Yep. I agree with that. Yep. It gives them a better chance because you don't have as talented a lot of talent on the field. But it's definitely not a guarantee. So sure. some people make it like it's guaranteed you can lose it. And I don't know how you can do that. But for the ones that are saying they don't know how they feel, um, you. you yeah, yeah, I feel this way. I, I want them to compete and try to win the game. Yep. And it's like a win-win. If, if they win, hurrah, I'm happy. If they lose, I'm sad, but then I turn around and look, okay, where they are in the draft pick. And so it's, I'm like a mixed emotions with it And when I um, look at the game. But the way they everyone, not everyone, but if someone talks about the game, they make it, um, they, they're saying things that, they don't have to pay the consequences to when I'm coaching and somebody's in the back of the stands and talking about what I should do. Yeah. But you don't have to pay the consequences. If it don't work, I do. Sure. If I'm drafting someone and I draft the person you want and it, and it fails, you don't pay the consequences. I do. So people have to look at it that, you know, when they say, oh, Joe Shane, them should be fired because they're not doing what they want them to do. It, it, it doesn't work like that. Hey, I coach, mean, guys- coach, how about this? How about the player's perspective? If the player doesn't try his butt off out there to win a game, he's putting himself at injury risk. And what's the price yes. that he play? What's the price that he pays if he goes out there, gives less than 100%, and winds up breaking a leg? And really wrecks right. his career. What's the price that that player pays because he didn't try to win? Or being sloppy right. in his performance and not getting a new contract from the current team that or too? the other team. So, I mean, there's consequences all across the board, Coach Marvin. But what you were hitting on, it reminded me of, that's the beauty of being a social media coach and general manager, Coach Marvin. Yeah. Because you know what? Yes, you never lose is. your job, right? You never lose your job. That is the one job exactly. in this country that is bulletproof in terms of consequence and excellent job security. Because you never lose, Lance, no matter your opinion. Lance, you, you hit the bullseye. That's where I was going with the whole thing. I'm just trying to explain it, but you went right to the point. You know, you, you, you always can keep giving your opinion. You always right because you don't pay the consequences when you're wrong. Sure. And, and you don't admit it. I would like to see you guys when they say, oh, these are terrible draft picks and stuff. The next time you guys, how y'all always say, um, give your prediction of what record they're going to have. You know what? Do it with the draft. These same callers, right? They name on it, and I wouldn't erase it. I will make sure those draft picks <laughs> see what those draft picks do. And then when they get on and start telling me about who we should draft, they're like, well, you're the caller that said we should draft this guy. He got cut. You know, so you, you, you make them live up to what they're saying. And some stuff they are, they are um, right on. They, they, they can be correct on, but I think fans go too far when you start saying what they should do, and like if you're in the building. And, and you should say, well, in my case, I would say if I would probably look at this. It's like they're talking about the quarterback. There's going to be a lot of avenues of quarterbacks. I'm sure the Giants are going to have a plan, and they're going to have a contingency plan. So they know they have to address the quarterback. They're going to be a few up. There are some pretty good ones in college right now. If we're picking in the top eight or in the top five, that could be someone there. Maybe not. An offensive line will be there. A wide receiver will be there. I believe they may just address all of those. You can address the offensive line in the first round. You can, there's going to be avenues in the free agency. There's going to be avenues in um, trades. You got Co- Coach Marvin, we, we, we're running in. out of time, but I just want, right, to, oh, I want, I want to just thank you again because you keep it real better than any other caller we have on the program. 
right. Thank you, guys. You got it. Appreciate the phone call. Yep, sounds good, and we appreciate you listening. But, I mean, the point is well taken, which is the fact that there are consequences and repercussions. That's why you always hear coaches and players say they're going to put it all out on the line, whether they're mathematically in it or not, because they have their future with the team and the future in the league to weigh. Everybody else who weighs in doesn't necessarily have the same things, and that changes the dialogue immensely. So with that being said, that's going to wrap up Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, a reminder that it's part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcasts as we have the regular season finale coming up on Sunday, 425 p.m. Eastern between the Eagles and the Giants. We'll be back up and running on Monday to recap it all at 1230 p.m. Eastern. You can stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll speak to you next week right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination, so pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation.